Obesity has all the characteristics of a chronic disease. Let's use our imagination for a moment and think about a patient with hypertension, for example. Let's imagine that you are the doctor of Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee is 45 years old and his blood pressure has been persistently high, around 150 over 100, even after lifestyle modifications. So you decide to start chlorthalidone, 25 milligrams daily. And Mr. Lee is very compliant, and he takes chlorthalidone every single day. Four weeks later, you see Mr. Lee again in the clinic, and you review his labs with him, and he has a normal renal function, and he has normal electrolytes. His blood pressure is now 119 over 75. He's feeling great and reports no side effects to chlorthalidone. Will you stop the medication at this time? Think about it. He's having a great response to the medication and his blood pressure is now normal. The most obvious answer is no, you will not stop chlorthalidone at this time. Today you will listen to a discussion about anti-obesity medications. We will discuss common indications, contraindications, cautions and more. We will learn that obesity requires chronic treatment with medications just like any other chronic disease. I hope you enjoy it. You are listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program, Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. And today I have two wonderful guests, and they don't need an introduction, but they are going to say their names anyways. Welcome, guys. Hi, guys. It's me, Sapna. And it's me, Danish. So Sapna and Danish, they have done several episodes about fitness. So today we're going to be talking about another interesting topic. So Sabna, can you give us an introduction about what we're going to be talking about? Of course. So hello and welcome back to our nutrition series. If you haven't already um, listened to our previous episodes, then go ahead and pause this and make sure that you give it a listen. We've talked about a lot of things, including physical activity, meal plans, and intermittent fasting. But today, we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, clinical management of obesity, specifically the pharmacotherapy that is used. Um, we're going to go ahead and divide these drugs into drugs that reduce your food intake, primarily the ones that act on your CNS, drugs that reduce fat absorption, and then medications that are associated with weight gain. That's great. So we're going to be talking about our favorite thing to do, right? So give pills to people to cure diseases. So... Um, Thank you so much for preparing this topic today. All right. So, so if anyone can anyone who's obese take the medications to help them lose weight? Well, medications should be considered if the patient will uh, is will be taking the medication in conjunction with the overall weight management, including their changing in habits, uh, increasing in physical activity, and the expectations for their 
uh, weight loss management, including the medication therapy. Adjunctive pharmacologic treatment should be considered for patients with a BMI greater than 30 or with a BMI greater than 27 who also have a concomitant obesity-related disease. So it's important to remember that. So those are the FDA indications for anti-obesity medications used. BMI above 30 or BMI above 27 with comorbidities. So uh, you're going to find a lot of doctors who are pretty much against anti-obesity medications, but you can find other doctors who are learning more about these medications and becoming more familiar and becoming more confident to prescribe these medications to fight the epidemic of obesity. So, um, yeah, you're going to find all kinds of doctors. So, but remember those indications, at least FDA approved BMI more than 30 or BMI more than 27 with comorbidities. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into the drugs that reduce your food intake and primarily act on your CNS. So disclaimer, if I do, you know, butcher these words, please forgive me. <laughs> let's start with um, fenteramine and other sympathomimetic drugs. So the sympathomimetic drugs, benzphentamine and fenteramine and other drugs that are uh, grouped in this, I guess, category act like norepinephrine. So these drugs block the uptake of norepinephrine from the um, synaptic granules and they are absorbed orally. So what are some common side effects or adverse effects of um, fentermine? Pretty much these include dry mouth, constipation, increased blood pressure, and insomnia. Um, it was found that they have very little um, abuse potential. And fentermine has been in the market in the United States at least for more than 60 years and it is well tolerated by most patients. It is effective. You can expect five to eight pounds weight loss a, ma a month when you are taking this medication with dietary modifications and increased physical activity. The weight loss uh, happens mostly the first three to six months when you start taking this medication, fentermine. And also, um, you know, you just have to be cautious with patients who are, um, or who have cardiovascular disease, that is uncontrolled, especially if the patient has a, an, an undiagnosed arrhythmia, for example, or in patients who are uh, mentally ill because this medication can worsen their mental illness. All right. So one of the longest clinical trials of the drugs in this group lasted 36 weeks and compared placebo treatment to treatment with continuous fentermine and intermittent fentermine. Both the continuous and the intermittent fentermine therapy produced more weight loss when compared to the placebo. Yeah, something that usually people ask about this medication, like, do you do you have to have an EKG before you start fentermine? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. If you don't have any history or family history of cardiac disease, you're young and healthy, you don't need an EKG before you start this medication. Of course, you can do it if you want to be more cautious, but if a patient is younger than 40 with no history of any any condition, any cardiac conditions, you can confidently st uh, start this medication if the patient is normotensive. Mm -hmm. And even if the patient is taking um, antihypertensive medications, you can still use this medication, fentermine. Yeah, other options of fent are, are fenteramine and topiramate. It's a combination drug that is also known as, sorry if I butcher this, but kissemia. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> These, drug, these drugs com combine a corticolamine releaser and anticonvulsant, respectively. Topiramate is currently approved by the U.S. FDA as an anticonvulsant for treatment of epilepsy and for prophylaxis of migraine and headaches. Weight loss uh, was seen as an unintentional side effect during clinical trials for epilepsy. 
The mechanism for this um, is thought to be mediated through modul modulation of the GABA receptors, inhibition of the carbonic anhydrase, and antagonism of glutamate to reduce food intake. Some side effects include cognitive impairment, paresthesia, and increased risk of kidney stones. To keep in mind also, topiramate is a teratogenic drug, so patients need to be in good birth control to take this. Um, it causes cleft palate as a result. In the fetus. In the fetus, yes. Uh, a trial was performed, a randomized trial, uh, that, showed, that used three different strengths of the formulation, uh, one at full strength, another at uh, mid-dose, and another at low dose. Subjects, uh, subjects randomized to the full, drink, uh, full strength dose showed a loss an average of 10% of body weight in the first year compared to those on placebo, which lost about an average of 1.5%. Um, there was also significant improvement in fasting glucose, insulin, hemoglobin A1C, and lipid profiles as well. Uh, due to these, the dose-dependent side effects of this medication, an initial dose should be prescribed daily for the first 14 days, then increased gradually. These patients should be reevaluated after every three months. If weight loss is not achieved by that time, either discontinue or escalate to the highest dose for 12 weeks. So now that you mentioned that combination drugs, um, there is one that um, we don't use too much, but it's called um, Contrave, mm -hmm. which is a combination of bupropion with naltrexone. So that one has the same, the same amount of weight loss as Kisimia. In some trials, they say that it's a little better. Some trials say that it's a little worse. But uh, just in, in that case, that medication, you just have to be um, cautious in patients who are taking opioids because it's an anti-opioid medication mm -hmm. with an antidepressant. So uh, it's another combined medication that is good to mention during this episode. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now that we went ahead and talked about uh, drugs that suppress your appetite, let's go ahead and talk about drugs that reduce your fat absorption. So um, the first one is Orlistat. So a lot of people are aware of Orlistat. What is it? It's a selective inhibitor of pancreatic lipase that reduces the intestinal absorption of fat. The mean weight loss when compared to placebo is 2.51 kilograms at 6 months and 2.75 kilograms at 12 months. That's not a lot. So there was like a four-year double-blind uh, randomized placebo trial control trial that was done with Orlistat, and they treated about 3,304 overweight patients. 21% um, of those had impaired glucose tolerance. So Orlistat, it's not absorbed in any degree, and so obviously the side effects would be related to the blockage of triglyceride digestion in the intestines. So fecal fat loss and related GI symptoms are common. Orlistat can be, um, well, can cause a decrease in your fat-soluble vitamins, so you definitely want to make sure that you tell your patients to have vitamin supplements and make sure that you instruct them to take it before bedtime. You know, Orlistat is one of the few anti-obesity medications approved to be used in children 12 years and older. So um, we just have to keep, keep that in mind that if you prescribe it to children or even to adults, remind them to take their vitamin supplements. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Orlistat's worth it with that sm those smelly bathroom visits. I don't think. And with that five. little bit of like weight loss, I don't know. Yeah. Two point five kilos is like, like twelve months. Know, uh, in twelve months, yeah. 
<laughs> well, another class, uh, GLP-1 receptor agonists. These are glutides. Um, we use them mainly for diabetes, but it's also been approved for treatment of obesity. The two main ones that have been approved are semaglutide and liraglutide. Um, the mechanism of action is through hormones, um, specifically GLP-1, but glucose homeostasis is a complex process in which several hormones are interplaying. GLP-1 and GIP um, are collectively referred to as incretin hormones as they link the absorption of nutrients with pancreatic hormone secretions. GLP-1, along with the GIP, are released in the setting of a meal. While having meal after a meal, um, GLP-1 works by increasing the sensitivity of the beta islet cells in the pancreas to glucose, the major regulator, regulator in insulin secretion. Thus, it decreases blood glucose, blood sugar levels, in addition, it also showed uh, slowing of gastric emptying, inhibiting inappropriate glucagon release via amylin, and reducing food intake. And the food intake is reduced because there is a, there are receptors in the central nervous system that decrease food intake in the brain in other areas that um, where this hormone or this agonist can act or can stimulate to. Um, some side effects that you may experience are GI disturbances, such as nausea or vomiting. In rare cases, some patients may develop pancreatitis. Um, contraindications to this medication is also a history of pancreatitis, as well as a history of men cancers, men 2A and 2B cancers, pregnancy, or on any other diabetic med medications such as sulfonylureas. Yeah, and that's because you can increase the risk of hypoglycemia. These medications per se, they don't cause hypoglycemia, hypoglycemia, but the other medications cause hypoglycemia. Like if you give this medication with insulin, you can increase the risk of hypoglycemia. But it's also important to remember that patients with family history of medullary cancer of thyroid, they're not supposed to take this medication. Right. And um, a trial that was performed that compared liraglutide to a placebo with Orlistat also showed um, patients that were assigned to liraglutide lost significantly more weight compared to both those assigned to either placebo or orostat. Compared to a placebo, those on liraglutide lost a mean uh, weight loss of 2.8 kilograms, whereas those compared to orostat lost a weight loss of 5.8 kilograms. Uh, however, this was more on a more higher dose of liraglutide. Uh, Furthermore, another uh, trial showed that those who initially lost weight with diet and exercise, a greater proportion of those taking liraglutide maintained the weight loss as well. Similarly, clinical trials favored semaglutide with a weight loss greater, than, greater in the semaglutide group versus the placebo. For both, weight loss occurred in patients with and without diabetes as well. And of note, um, something that differs between the two of them, semaglutide is taken once a week and helps induce weight loss, whereas liraglutide is a daily medication. So this is a great medication to use in patients with diabetes and obesity, but also on patients without diabetes who have obesity. So we like it so much, or me personally like it so much, that we dedicated a, a whole episode on semaglutide and another whole episode on tirsepatide. So tirsepatide is unique because it's a dual agonist. It ha it's a GLP-1 receptor agonist and a GIP agonist as well. And it seems promising for weight loss, and it's likely to be approved soon for obesity treatment. So when um, one question that is usually asked um, by patients and by other doctors is, when do we discontinue anti-obesity medications? 
Well, we can ask the same question for other chronic diseases. When do we stop medications for hypertension or for diabetes? Um, when we have a patient who is unable to keep their weight off, we can see we cannot see him or her as someone who has lost their motivation to keep their weight off. <coughs> Excuse me. So, normally when you stop weight loss medications, the weight comes back. So, and it happens because the hormones have changed in that patient in a way that is promoting weight gain again. So, it is very hard to lose weight once you have uh, reached a certain goal or to keep losing weight. And patients normally start regaining their weight. So, we should be at the patient's side to fight it. And, and, and anti-obesity medications is one way to do it. So anti-obesity medications can be taken chronically, just like many other medications for other chronic diseases. And I think that was a good thing you brought up because a lot of patients I see, or a lot of people think that once you lost the weight, you can, you can get off the medication. However, just like hypertension or diabetes, it's a, it's a lifetime thing, right? Uh, you can't really stop the medication otherwise, or stop exercising or dieting because... You think that you feel better. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a, it's a great uh, way to end this episode. So we uh, talked about the medications that we use for, for weight loss. Mm -hmm. And uh, in another episode, we talk about medications that cause weight gain. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you guys. Now we conclude our episode number 106, weight loss medications. Fentermin is the most widely used anti-obesity medication. It is a stimulant and it is safe and effective for most of our patients who are fighting obesity. Make sure you learn the contraindications, side effects and precautions when you prescribe it. Also, learn about other medications that are effective and safe for the treatment of obesity, including GLP-1 receptor agonist, and your patients will surely thank you. This week, we thank Hector Ariaza, Danish Khalid, and Samna Patel. Audio by Sheila Toro. Even without trying, every night you go to bed being a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. So send us an email at riobravoqweek at clinicaseravista.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org forward slash qweek. See you next week. <laughs>